0: But I will be sharing my heart with you all uh, about just, you know, the the commitments that I've made and, you know, challenges that I'm confronting moving forward. And I'm beginning to realize more and more that I need to give opportunities for people to support me and support the ministry and support uh, what we're doing here uh, for the simple reason that I can spend more time in focusing and really shepherding the community and cultivating them in the word. So it's just been incredible, y'all, to see that there's almost twelve thousand people now. Twelve sorry, twelve thousand downloads on our podcast in such a short period of time. It's it's evidence that the Lord is doing something beautiful, something incredible through that. And um, and so, you know, one of the things that I'm I'm beginning to pray about is is uh I do need to make financial commitments. And so I'm I'm shying away from, you know, either taking on another full time job or something like that and simply just praying that the Lord will provide Um, support for the ministry moving forward. And so um, that's something that I'm praying about. And and so uh, I'll give you more information and detail on that. But since you guys have been journeying with me from the beginning, I mean, there's a few hundred of you right now who are on, um, you know, I got, I got almost a hundred of you on, on IG and I got um, over a hundred of you on, on TikTok right now. And I've got about, I've got a few of you on Facebook as well. Elin's good to see you brother. Um, but it's, uh, so yeah. So one of the things that I'm, I'm really wrestling with is as I'm transitioning out, um, I'm beginning to find less and less bandwidth for my family. And I'm going to share, I'm going to share that. I'm going to, we're going to speak a little bit more about that, um, in the weeks to come, but I, you know, I just hope that you hear my heart as we engage in it. So I'm truly grateful for your support. Anybody who supports and who gives, I'm so grateful for it. Um, It encourages me, but it also resources me and allowing me to really spend time and committing to this because it's something that I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about you guys reading through scripture with me. The podcast is called The Read and Rant. It's The Read and Rant podcast. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to read and we're going to rant. We're going to spend about 20 minutes reading the scripture, and then we're going to spend another 20 to 30 minutes uh, reflecting on the scripture. I call it a rant because I have nothing prepared. I'm not here with anything prepped other than to simply ask three questions from God and then to really to ruminate over the text out loud with you all. So you guys get to hear me rant and get to participate in it um and so the the read and rant it the 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 link is in the bio um the link is in the bio so if you're ever interested in supporting jazzy the link is in the bio as well um but but we're 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 restructuring in a lot of ways um uh we're restructuring in a lot of ways and and so you guys will be hearing soon about how you can you can support um, something that my, my wife and I have been praying about, our family's been praying about. And so, uh, either way we'll, 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 get to that. Um, for now though, I want us to commit to this time and reading. That's really our priority here is to read and to rant. And so we're going to be reading from first Samuel chapter 24, and we're praying into three questions as we get into this reflective reading. The three questions that we're going to ask is God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? Uh, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? The second question that we're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? Thank you, Anita. Uh, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And then the third question that we're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? Uh, What are you revealing concerning me for the word discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart? And so this is what we're going to commit to in, the, uh, in this time today, we have people from all around the world. You just saw it, people from Botswana, from, from Australia, from the UK, from Nigeria, from Argentina, and all over the United States right now. You have people, and now we got South Africa in the house. We have people from all around the world right now who are engaged in this powerful time to read the word, and that's what we're gonna do. Father, we ask, Lord, that you would be with us today, Lord, as we engage in your word. Father, we pray for uh, your wisdom, Lord, to be imparted upon us. Father, give us wisdom today. Uh, Give us heavenly wisdom. Um, Lead us, Father, and guide us as we engage in your word. Father, bless us in this word today. And we ask that in Jesus' name, amen. 1 Samuel 24, verse 1, and it says this, Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines, that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of En-Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men to uh, on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. Then the men of David said to him, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I will deliver you, your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is anointed before the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul's. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. David also arose afterwards, afterward went out of the cave and called out to Saul saying, my Lord, the King. When Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed down. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, indeed, David seeks your harm? Look this day, your eyes, I've seen that the Lord delivered you into my hand in the cave, and someone urged me to kill you, but my eyes spared you, spared you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, my father, see, yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the corner of the robe and did not kill you. Know and see, there is neither evil nor rebellion in my, sorry, I got cut off there for a second. Let the Lord judge between you and me and let the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. As the Proverbs of the ancients say, wickedness proceeds from the wicked, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom do you pursue? A dead dog? A flea? Therefore, let the Lord be judge and judge between you and me and see and plead my case and deliver me out of your hand. So it was when David had finished speaking these words to Saul that Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. Then he said to David, You are more righteous than I. For you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. And I have shown this day how you have dealt well with me. For when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him get away safely? Therefore, may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now I know indeed that you shall surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. therefore, swear now to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me and that you will not destroy my name from my father's house. David swore to Saul and Saul went home, but David and his descendants went up to, sorry, David and his men went up to the stronghold. 1 Samuel 25, then Samuel died and the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him and buried him at his home in Ramah and David arose and went to the wilderness of Paran. Now there was a man in Maon, whose business was in Carmel. The man was very rich and he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats and he was shearing his sheeps in Carmel. The name of the man was Nabal and his wife was Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance, but the man was harsh and evil in his doings. He was of the house of Caleb. When David heard in the wilderness, when when David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David sent ten young men, and David said to the young man, Go up to Carmel, go to Nabal, greet him in my name, and thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity, Peace be to you, peace to your house, and peace to all that you have. Now I have heard that you have shearers. Your shepherds were with us and, and we did not hurt them, nor was there anything missing from all the while they were in Carmel. Ask your young men and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes for we come on a feast day. Please give whatever comes to your hand, to your servants and to your son, David. So when David's young men came, They spoke to Nabal according to all these words in the name of David and waited. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David and who is the son of Jesse? Hmm. Hmm. There are many servants nowadays who break away from uh, from his master who each break away from his master shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I've killed for for my shearers and give to men when I do not know where they are from so David's young men turned on their heels and went back and they came and told him all these words then David said to his men every man gird on his sword so every man girded on his sword and David also girded on his sword And about 400 men went with David, 200 stayed with the supplies. Now, one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master and he reviled them. But the men were very good to us and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything. As long as we accompanied them when we were in the fields, they were sorry, Accompanied them when we were in the fields. What's going on with me today? They were a wall to us both by night and day. All the time we were with them keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know and consider what you will do for harm is determined against our master and against all his household, for is such a scoundrel that no one can speak of him. Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, Five sayas of roasted grain, one hundred clusters of raisins, two hundred cakes of figs, and loaded them on the donkeys. And she said to her servants, Go on before me, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. So it was, as she rode on the donkey, and she went down under the cover of the hill, and there were David and his men coming down toward her, and she met them. Now David said, Surely in vain I have protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him and he has repaid me evil for good may God do so and more also to the enemies of David if I leave one male of all sorry if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light Now when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed down to the ground. So she fell at his feet and said, On me, my lord, on me, let this iniquity be. And please let your maidservants speak in your eyes and hear the words words of your maidservants. Please let my lord regard this scoundrel Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him, but I... Your maidservant did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand. Now, then let your enemies and those who seek harm, seek harm for my Lord, be as Nabal. And now this present which your maidservant has brought to my Lord, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespasses of your maidservant for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord and evil is not found in you throughout your days. Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life. But the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord, your God and the lives of your enemies. He shall sling out as from the pocket of the sling. And yet, and it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord, according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel, that this will be no grief to you, nor offense of heart to my Lord. Either that you have shed blood without cause or that my Lord has avenged himself. And when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. Then David said to Abigail, blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to me and blessed is your advice and blessed are you because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and avenging myself from my own hand. For indeed, the Lord God of Israel lives who has kept me back from hurting you. Unless you had hurried and come to meet me, surely by morning light no males would have been left to Nabal. So David received from her hand what she had brought him and said to her, go in peace to your house. See, I have heeded your voice and respected your person. Now, Abigail went to Nabal. And there he was holding a feast in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. Therefore, she told him nothing, little or much until morning light. So it was in the morning when the wine had gone from Nabal. And his wife had told him these things that his heart died with him. And he became like a stone. And it happened about after 10 days that the Lord struck Nabal and he died. So when David heard that Nabal was dead. He said, blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal, who has kept his servant from evil for the Lord has returned the wickedness of Nabal on my own head. I'm sorry, wickedness of Nabal on his own head. And David sent and proposed to Abigail to take her as his wife. When the servants of David had come to Abigail at Carmel, they spoke to her saying, David sent us to you to ask you to become his wife. Then she arose, bowed her face to the earth and said, here is your maidservant, a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. So Abigail rose in haste, rode on a donkey, attended by five of her maidservants. And she followed the messengers of David and became his wife. David also took Ahonam, sorry, Ahinoam of Jezreel. So both of them, were his wives, but Saul had given Machal, his daughter, David's wife, to Palti, the son of Laish, who is from Galim. I'll read this last one. Now the Ziphites came to Saul in Gebeah saying, is David not hiding in the hill of Hikalah, opposite of Jeshimon?" Then Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3000 chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul encamped in the hill of Hikalah or Hakalah, which is opposite of Jeshimon by the road. But David stayed in the wilderness and saw that Saul came after him in the wilderness. David therefore sent out spies and understood that Saul had indeed come. So David arose and came to the place where Saul had encamped. And David saw the place where Saul lay, and Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of the army. Now Saul lay within the camp with the people encamped around all around him. And David answered and said to Ahimelech, the Hittite, and Abishai, the son of Zerai, the brother of Joab, saying, who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? And Abishai said, I will go down with you So David and Abishai came to the people by night, and there Saul was laying within the camp and his spear struck in the ground by his head. And Abner and the people lay all around him. Then Abishai said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Now, therefore, please let me strike him at once with the spear right to the earth, and I will not have to strike him a second time. But David said to Abishai, Do not destroy him for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless. David said, furthermore, as the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him. and His day shall come to die and he shall go out to battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. So please take now the spear and the jug of water that are by his head and let us go. So David took the spear. And the jug of water by Saul's head, and they got away, and no man saw, or knew it, or woke, for there were all for they were all asleep because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen on them. Now David went over to the other side and stood on the top of the hill afar off, a great distance between them. David called out the people of Abner, the son of Ner, "Do you not answer, Abner?" Then Abner said. Who are you calling out to the king? So David said to Abner, are you not a man who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not guarded your Lord, the king? For one of the people came to destroy your Lord, the king. This thing you have done is not good as the Lord lives. You deserve to die because you have not guarded your master, the Lord's anointed, and now see where the king's spear is and the jug of water that was by his head. Then Saul knew David's voice and said, is that your voice, my son, David? David said, it is my voice, my Lord, O king. And he said, why does my Lord thus pursue his servant? For what have I done or what evil is in my hand? Now, therefore, please let let the king hear the words of his servant. If the Lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering. But if it is the children of men, may they be cursed before the Lord. For they have driven me out this day from sharing in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, go serve other gods. So now do not let my blood fall on the earth before the face of the Lord. For the king of Israel has come to seek a flea, as when one hunts a partridge in the mountains. Then Saul said, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will harm you no more, because my life was precious in your eyes. This day, indeed, I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. And David answered and said, Here's the king's spear. Let one of the young men come over and get it. May the Lord repay every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered you into my hand today, but I would not stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed Indeed, as your life was valued much this day, so let my life be valued much in the eyes of the Lord and let him deliver me out of tribulation. Then David said, then Saul said to David, may you be blessed, my son, David. You shall both do great things Hmm. and also still prevail. So David went his way and Saul returned to his place. This is a good place to stop. Um, and we're going to stop right there. Um, thank you so much for the badges family. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Really appreciate that. Thank you so much for the gifts. Um, thank God we pray the prayers at the beginning of our reading. More specifically, thank God we pray for the Lord to speak to us and to reveal to us. And what the Lord reveals to me may not necessarily be what he's really convicting you of. And so I share that to say that um, I'm here really to just walk through this journey of how it is that I spend time in my meditation and reading of the word. Um, And maybe what he's revealing to me is edifying to you And that's okay, and that's perfectly fine, and that's okay. But I want you also to engage in that exercise for yourself, you know, to to know what and to hear what the Lord has to say concerning you. Um, But thank God we pray those prayers. And, And I say that, I say that because there's just so much to unpack, right? There's just so much theologically, thank God this isn't a Bible study because there's just so much to dissect and to parse through as we read through the scriptures. There's conflict here, there's um, there's betrayal here, there's also allegiance here, there's so much to unpack. And then, of course, I mean, you throw in the multiple marriages right there at the end of uh, chapter 27, right? Where you see the multiple marriages, and all of a sudden, sorry. 25 um at the end of chapter 25 and you're like wait hold on a second now david's getting married to multiple women and there's just so there's a lot of questions there's a lot of questions and there's so much there to unpack and um i don't really have the time afforded to sit down and to answer all the questions but more specifically to point out a few things what i'm reading today is again right this is uh This is a story within a story. This is a story within a grand narrative. And David plays a critical role in the grand story, right? This, the the Bible is a big story and the character of David, the person of David, he plays a critical role in the story of Jesus. David plays a critical part in the story of Jesus. I remember what Jesus says in the scripture, all scripture testifies of him. So all the scripture was really about Jesus. The entire Bible is about Jesus. It's about Christ. It's about how he's come, what he's here to do and how he did it, how he accomplished it and what the implications are for that in all of eternity. David is a part of that story. David is a part of the story. We see that even from Ruth. As Ruth is ending, it ends with the genealogy that leads up to Jesse, who is the father of David. And so David now is going from, from Abraham to Isaac to, to Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, who then, uh, and among them is Moses. And Moses leads Israel into this land. Israel falls into moral depravity. And yet God makes a plan in the book of Ruth that while they've fallen into this moral depravity, failing to be the people that would bring righteousness and justice, among them would still come a seed. That was the promise in Genesis chapter 3, the seed that would bruise the enemy's head. But to get to that seed, God has Written a story through a bloodline, through a genealogy, through the covenant of God. And I spoke all about that yesterday, through this covenant. And now we get to David, and God is covenanting with David. And we're seeing David in the role that he plays in that story. And while there are so many complexities happening in it, there's a story in it, and that story plays a part of the larger story. I am reading this with. A great deal of emotion. Um, if this is a Oreo cookie, right? You got the two chocolate cookies on the outside and then you've got the cream in the middle. And I don't, you know, some people like the cream, some people don't like the cream, but anyway, um, the, you've got the cream in the middle. The, the cream in the middle, uh, maybe it's a bad analogy, but the cream in the middle is this this uh, encounter with Nabal and I don't want to spend a lot of time on that because it's a very, there's, there's a lot of cultural complexities in that particular part of the text. But what I find interesting is, is we're beginning to see David, who's a man after God's own heart, falling into a sense of decline. We're beginning to see remnants of David's decline. Um, When we talk about that, the Bible articulates the things that David has done. It doesn't mean that the Bible permitted everything David did. This is important. Just because you are after God's own heart doesn't mean that God approves everything you've done. And just because. You are chosen by God doesn't mean that God approves everything you do. Matter of fact, God can hate the things you do. And yet that's the element of God's grace that he still has a bigger plan for you. And so he executes his bigger plan of bringing righteousness and justice to the world. But it doesn't mean that when we talk about the things that David does, that the Bible is celebrating it or that the Bible or that the scripture is in support of it. I can tell you about something to to, put, put it like this family to say, right, that the Bible speaks about it. So it must be okay, is akin to saying that the news reporter permits murder because they reported it just because the scripture is reporting it doesn't mean that the scripture is permitting it and this is important because we're going to see elements of David and who he's and who he is and what he's doing and and some of the things that he's navigating through the many stories in that text and often you're going to see some stuff that you go but this man's a man after God's own heart. How is it okay that David did this? It didn't say, the scripture did not say that it was okay. The scriptures say that it happened. And because it happened, we know how it ends with David. Let's make sure we understand this, that God had an incredible plan that he initiated and enacted through David. But please let us not forget that it did not end well for David. Let me say that one more time. And we're, I'm just attuning you to this that it did not end well for him. And this goes back to the whole thing about sin. As often we think of sin as just what we're permitted and not permitted to do, but not realizing that sin, regardless of whether you believe in God or not, sin has its consequences. And the consequences lead to the things that we see. So just because I'm a man after God's own heart, God's going to use me. He's going to even keep me and maybe I'll have eternal life, but it does not mean that I don't suffer the consequences of the things that I'm doing in the time that I spend here. David is a complex individual. He's very complex because this is a man who is honorable. This is a man. And that's why I say it's sandwiched between these two things, because here is David getting ready to enact vengeance on Nabal for the thing, for for rejecting his soldiers and rejecting them for this meal that he's about to have. And of course, Nabal's wife comes in and she just asks for mercy because she knows and she's heard about David and all his successes and all the things that he's accomplished. And so Nabal quickly comes to him and says, hey, please spare my family, spare our people. And David spares them. This guy dies. And David quickly goes and asks her to be his wife. Now you can say, well, that's how culture was at the time. That's how things were at the time. Yeah, but there's a problem here is that now this, this thing that David is tapping into, this is becoming about power. This is becoming about influence. This is becoming about the things that God is against. And so David, of course, marries uh, Nabal's wife, but he also marries, uh, he know him, of Jezreel. So, So before this chapter ends, he's gotten married twice, and he already has a wife that he had to run home from. So we're beginning to see here that David, while there's one side, there's a dark side. There's another side to David that I think sometimes we often ignore, and there's a side to David that I think is unfair, because when we present David, we present David like he's this hero. Uh, we present David like he's this man who's, you know, this great man, and and there's greatness in him, no question, and he's been chosen by God, and and there's no question about that, but my goodness, David. David's got some, he's got some flaws and he's got some issues. And so that's what's in the middle. But on the outside of that Oreo cookie, those two chocolate cookies on the outside are two stories. I love that we read it this way. And I think it's great that we read it this way. Because on the outside of that chocolate cookie, on that Oreo cookie, are the two chocolate cookies. You got the cream on the inside, and then you've got these two chocolate cookies on the outside, and both of them are very similar stories. One is a story of how David spared Saul, bo- sorry, both of them are similar stories and that David spared Saul when he had the opportunity to kill him and to end this conflict. One, on one side, Saul was awake and was aware. On the other side, Saul was asleep. And I find it interesting that we're beginning to see a deficiency in David in the middle, but we're going to see the brokenness of David on the two sides of it. Ooh, it's Oreo cookie on, uh, on the outsides, we see a brokenness and on the inside, we see the deficiency David may start, we're beginning to see a, a problem with the women here with David. But we're seeing that this problem may be coming out of a brokenness. Because, you know, most of our sin issues are brokenness issues. And our brokenness issues come out of not just repentance issues, but they come out of a lack of faith and a lack of acceptance to the truth of God and the gospel and what he has done. David is broken and we see the complexity of David. David is complex and he's complex because his relationships are complex. Complex man with complex relationships and no relationship was more complex than his relationship with Saul. Man, David and Saul, Saul. Saul has this weird thing and you can almost call it insanity. Saul on one side, uh, sees David as his son. That's what we see in the scripture. He's like my son, my son. And yet this is the very person that he's actually on the hunt for to kill him. He sees David as a son, but he also sees David as a threat. He sees David as a Saul, uh, as a son, but he also sees him as a threat. And so because he sees him as a threat, the very things that David wants, he cannot get from him because Saul loves him, but Saul loves himself more than he loves David. Saul loves his position more than he loves David. Saul loves his power more than he loves David. Hmm. But David loves Saul. David in this text, if we look and you go back to to chapter 24, as we read it, David sparing Saul, David calls him his father. And I always found that um, in verse 11, he says, moreover, my father, see, you see the corner of your robe in my hand. He cuts off a piece of his robe just to let him know I could have murked you right there. I could have killed you right there. I, I could have been—I could have been done right there. It would have been done for you. It'd been over, and this battle would be done. But I'm just going to cut your robe, just to let you know what I could have done and what I didn't do. And yet David is explaining to him and saying to him, "Yes, moreover, my father, David, first of all, loves him, and he sees Saul as a father." That's the first thing we notice. The second thing we notice is David has a respect for the call on his life because David said, I would not kill my anointed. So there are two dimensions to this. David is an honorable man, a man of integrity who says, I would not kill him simply because he's the one who's been called king. And yet I've always wanted to serve him as king. That's the that's the honorable side of David. But then there's a the side of David that says, But when i see this man i see a father he's saying i see a father and saul's relationship is complicated and i think we miss the complexity of humanity sometimes when we read these stories we don't see how complex these characters are because In verse 16, what sticks out to me is he says, uh, so it was when David had finished speaking these words to Saul that Saul said, is this your voice, my son, David? And Saul lifted up his voice and he wept. David walks away. Saul doesn't see him, but he can hear David's voice and he knows it's David. And then he begins to weep. This is not how it's supposed to be. Saul sounds crazy, he looks crazy because Saul is conflicted. Saul is drunk on power and pride and he loves his son, David, and David is a threat to that power and pride. And so I love you, but I'll kill you. Isn't it funny how we will hurt the people we love? because of our own thirst for power and our pride. Isn't it interesting how we will hurt our spouses, our husbands, our wives, family members, friends, we will hurt them because of our own thirst for position and power and pride. Saul has an affection for Jonathan, so much so that Saul would like John, sorry for David. He has such an affection for David that Saul would wish that David would be more like John, that Jonathan would be more like David. He was hoping that Jonathan would be more like David. He loved David. He's like, man, David's that kid. And yet Saul can't bring himself to love him how he ought because Saul is too consumed with the crown. And I wonder family, what kingdoms have we built in our own lives that have prohibited us from having healthy relationships with the people that we love? I wonder, when I read this text, how often is it that we have a grip on 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 kingdoms that we've established that we will hurt the people we love for the sake of holding on to our position and the little kingdom that we built for ourselves? It's the man who says, "This is my house." This is my house. It, it, it's the woman who says, I need to do me. It's the, it's the, the child. It's, it, it, just, just, just looking at this, I'm sorry. I, I'm just working through this because this brings me so much sadness. To see how many people have hurt the people they love and in private they weep about it. How many of us have hurt the people that we love? And we can't even bring ourselves to contrition before them. We can't even bring ourselves to come before them and apologize. We can't even bring ourselves to come before them and just to show our remorse for our deficiency and our insufficiency. No, 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 no. We wait for them to leave and we cry alone. We cry alone because we know that we're hurting the people we love. Saul is hitting bottom. Saul Saul sees the end because Saul can't let go. He can't let go of his kingdom. He can't even let go of his kingdom. And he speaks and he stays silent. Just imagine being in that cave and standing there and seeing the robe ripped and hearing the voice and knowing that's the voice of the person that you have mentored, the person who lived in your home, the person who you called your son and hearing him say the words that he just said in the scripture, and the moment that he leaves, that's when you weep. Cause man, I can't weep in front of him. I can't even, I can't even weep in front of him. Pride. So destructive. And there are many of us here today. And I don't know why I'm I'm being led here, but it's just where I'm, I'm being led. But there are many of us today. We're distant from the people we want to be close to. Simply because we can't repent from our own pride. We're holding on to things that aren't even ours anymore. Saul knows very clearly that the kingdom is not his anymore. Saul affirms on the other side of that cookie and on the other side of that story, Saul has already affirmed that David will be the king of Israel. Saul already knows the kingdom isn't his because thirty over 30 years ago, the prophet had already told him. Then he'd lost the kingdom. Saul knew that he was operating on grace and Saul knew that it was just the mercy of God that had him still in position. Saul knew he was already fired. Saul was fired year three into his kingdom. And he's looking at his replacement, but he can't let go. And he's holding on to something that's not even his anymore. And he's losing the things that are most important to him. Saul, how oh, the devil is a liar. This is how the devil operates. This is how the devil works. David has preserved Saul, but Saul can't let go. How do we know that so much so? Because there's a second encounter on the other side of that story that we just talked about, about David's brokenness this is a second encounter and Saul now is sleeping and david comes before him and david takes his spear and his water jug because a deep sleep fell on everyone he could have killed him right there and even though he and he didn't kill him right there and then he showed evidence that i was right next to you and i could have killed you with your own spear gave him his spear back and the water jug back and walked away because he said i will not kill those who've been anointed by god but you've also been my father and in that exchange, in, in, in chapter 26, in that exchange, Saul calls him his son again. You're my son. David says, you're my father. David has some deep, deep, deep daddy issues. His daddy issues have not turned in is, is now turning into women issues Daddy issues. Daddy issues. Imagine you're David. You've always wanted to serve this man, give your life to this man, do everything this man says. This man would never accept you he's even calling you son and he would never accept you he he keeps trying to get rid of you and now he's trying to kill you oh and that on top of that Jesse Jesse didn't even want you when when the prophet Samuel came and we read it earlier on when the prophet Samuel came to anoint the king of Israel and he came into Bethlehem with his donkey to anoint to anoint the king of Israel. Mm-hmm. He went through all the sons and eventually Samuel had to ask, Is there another one? Jesse wasn't even thinking about David. Imagine not being even thought of to be part of the family. David did not have a father in Jesse. And now he's looking for a father in Saul. And Saul is calling him his son. And David's thinking, I finally found what I'm looking for because I need a father. Daddy issues. Daddy issues. Manhood, and and I'm gonna close. Um, Manhood, and I just wanna say this real quick, that, that, that manhood The issue of manhood is a really, is really an issue of fatherhood. Very rarely will you ever hear a woman say, I didn't have anyone to teach me how to be a woman. A woman's father issues are profoundly different than a man's father issues. Very rarely do you hear a woman say, I didn't have anyone to teach me how to be a woman. That's not usually her issue. But you will hear on the regular men who say, I didn't have a person to teach me how to be a man. Young boys depend heavily on a father issue because when Adam was created, the first person he saw was uh, the heavenly father. Adam was created and he woke up seeing a father Eve was created and she woke up seeing Adam. And because she woke up seeing Adam, Eve's issue is different than Adam's issue. Adam generally has daddy issues. Women generally have man issues. David in all his brokenness is being used by God. And we're left in a tension here. And I know there's really no resolution. We're going to have to get to it because the next chapter begins to resolve what's going on here with David. But the reality is that David has not had a father. And because he has not had a father, he doesn't know how to be a man. He's wise. He has integrity. He has all of that, but he has not been discipled into being a man. David is a boy with incredible power. It's interesting how that Verse ends with, then Saul said to David, may you be blessed, my son, David. Verse 20, the last verse we read in this reading today, may you be blessed, my son, David, you shall both do great things and also still prevail. So David went on his way and Saul returned to his place. Saul has publicly now declared him to be the future king of Israel, but Saul is still going to go after him to kill him because Saul is a broken father and broken fathers make broken sons. Jonathan is broken. David is broken. So how do we restore sonship? We restore sonship first by acknowledging the brokenness in our parents. Our parents were never meant to be our gods and yet David made a Saul he exalted Saul above himself above his measure above what he should have been exalted he positioned Saul in a way that he shouldn't have and yes there's a there's the there's the 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 honorable side to the to, to his his um commitment and his uh and his uh consternation and his uh support and his making sure that he does not affront the anointed and that get that. There's, a, there's the positive part to that. And yet there's the dark side of that is when we exalt God's anointed, we tend to also make God's anointed God. And there are those of us today that have daddy issues. Most of our daddy issues come out of both the brokenness of our parents and also the brokenness in our perspective of our parents. We've made our parents things that they could never be. Not realizing that our parents are children, just like we are. Trying to figure out this thing called life. Trying to navigate through this thing called life. And we fail to acknowledge that many of our daddy issues are really idolatry issues. We made dad somebody that he should have never been. And so dad now, because we trusted him in this way, because we depended on dad in this way, because we sought after dad in this way, we have lost ourselves in all of it because we're defining our growth and our trajectory of our lives through our broken fathers. And so when we do that, we end up with broken results. And yet God came to restore fatherhood. Actually in Jesus Christ, fatherhood was restored that now we don't look to our earthly fathers as as the finality of what fatherhood is, but that the finality of our fatherhood is now in Yahweh. He is our heavenly father who is without blemish, who has no character flaw, who loves us. And through Jesus Christ, we've been adopted into him, that he can now be our father. Fatherhood does not come in blood now, but fatherhood comes by faith. And it's there that you can begin to see who you are because what you are is the remnant of God, the almighty, and not just the remnant DNA of your father your father might be broken, but God is your Abba. And yet your father is the son of God as well and a child of God. So the very father that you have that's broken, you forget to realize that while he may be broken, he's a son just like you. And one day you are all siblings together and that God simply entrusted him with the moment and the season in your life of dependence. But then at a moment where you're independent, that God now asks for you to be dependent on him and not on your father. And your father's going to make mistakes. He's going to be some fathers are broken, some fathers are profoundly broken, some fathers may be straight up scumbags, some fathers, but guess what? The trajectory of your life is not conflicted or dependent upon where your father is and what your father did and who he was. But if you can just release that from your life and begin to accept that Yahweh is your father, then you can find true restoration and sonship. Some people, their father was abusive because their father was abused. And all he's done is transferred it. So if you want to break the generational curse over your life, break your perspective of who your heavenly father is and who your father is. David is going to go to the grave with this brokenness. And not because God didn't use him because God used him mightily for his plan and his mission. And David was a prophet. David wrote, David was used by God, loved by God, a man after God's own heart. But David could not release this brokenness of a father who was prideful and who cared more about his kingdom than he did about his son. So let's receive the father through Jesus Christ. Father, we ask, Lord, right now that you would, um, even in this time, Lord, in this tension in this text, Lord, as we see now that there's a, there's a decline happening, we see David, even in his rise, in his meteoric rise, we're also beginning to see holes and, and broken places in him. And, and Father, we're being reminded today of the broken places in our lives, and, and we're being reminded, Lord, how broken we are broken by what people have done to us, broken by family, broken by, uh, or just, just broken. And yet we realize also how much we perpetuated brokenness as well, Father, that uh, often we are so consumed by our own thought and our own lives and what we want and our own pride, that we lose relationship with the people that we love. We end up hurting the people that we love. We are so broken, oh Lord. And we know that the answer to this is Jesus. <laughs> we know that you are the answer. We know that the answer comes through you. We know that if we would just accept you as our father, to know, Lord God, that we are affirmed by you, that it is not our kingdom, but your kingdom. And it's, it's not our lives, but it's you living through us and your spirit living through us. If we would just depend on you and just believe, Lord, that our DNA lies in you and not in where we came from and not in who we came from, but in the fact that you've called us and have adopted us as your children, Lord, to impart on us the wisdom and the knowledge of who you are. Father, if we would just accept that, Lord, we know there would be healing. So, Father, I ask right now that you would give us healing in this season, Um, healing for those, Lord, who are broken, healing for those who are perpetuating brokenness, Lord, that you would forgive us and, and teach us, Lord, to to let go and to rely entirely upon you. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.